Time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN on an actual Monday with that doesn't have a holiday in the middle of the week to break things up, so we'll have to see if we can handle it. Scott Foster here with you along with Jason Zorgensen and Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield. So the gang's all here as we get ready to tackle this first full week of 2020. Thank you so much wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I appreciate you joining us. Let me turn it over to Susan Littlefield first of all and uh, good morning to you susan well good morning and welcome to to the first full week it's crazy right it's yeah it, it we have to pace ourselves it's uh, it's going to be a little different it will be by by wednesday or tuesday night people will be like oh i got the day off tomorrow oh no, no not so much <laughs> not so much not so much what do you got for us today susan well we're going to kick everything off at twelve nineteen as bryce duskett steps in to learn more about the u.s custom harvesters organization we will hear from Raina Zeller, who serves as a board member, she had an interesting story about her because she married into the operation, so she gives a great perspective as to what she's learned from that. Then we'll get the full interview. Last week, we heard a portion of my interview with Ryan Legrand, who's president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. We're going to get his full thoughts. Um, for folks that don't know, Ryan served in the role as the kind of, he ran the Mexico City, Mexico office for U.S. Grains Council for many, many years. So he went from a state perspective where USMCA is so important to a huge global perspective stepping into that role. And then coming up, if you have not heard the news about it, it is on our Twitter page, uh, Borden. Everybody knows Borden Dairy. One of the first companies that had uh, the concentrated uh, milk is filed for bankruptcy. Yeah. Um, they've got a huge debt. It's over $42 million. We're going to find out what this all means coming up from Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation. And that'll be at 117. All right. Iconic name in dairy for sure. I know. It just yeah. took everybody by surprise this morning. Huh. I'll be darned. All right. Well, thank you very much, Susan. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. Turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, coaching Carousel. Round and round she goes. A little bit. Uh, the Huskers will have a change in their coaching staff as Jawan DeWitt. He is leaving. Of course, he had helped coach special teams and the outside linebackers for Scott Frost. He is uh, headed to North Carolina. Hmm. He will uh, coach now with Mac Brown. Of course, Nebraska special teams haven't been great the last couple of years. Yeah. Uh, we'll see what Coach Frost could do on that front. Also, big news in the NFL today. Dallas Cowboys have a new head coach. It seemed like it took them forever to get rid of Jason Garrett. Did not take them very long to find his replacement. This probably was in the works for a while. Former Packers coach Mike McCarthy will coach the Cowboys. Interesting. We'll see. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, you can't blame him. I mean, you you get the Dallas job. That's better out of going to places like <laughs> Cleveland and <laughs> the, the Giants, Giants yeah. where he had you know, interviewed. So that's a good career move for him if Although you have to work with a deal meddling with, boss and deal with that, but you know that that's kind of part for but the there's, course. But there's there's some talent there in Dallas, and McCarthy's had some uh, success before, so we'll touch on that. Also, we'll talk some college basketball, and we'll tell you about a uh, former high school star in the state of Nebraska who is coming back next year to play for the UNK Lopers. Hmm. Interesting. All right, very good. Good tease there, Jason. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks down a little bit today. And trading on Wall Street and oil prices continued rising. And the reason being, investors are worried about tensions between the U.S. and Iran. And uh, so we're continuing to watch that. Also, the French president wants to reach a quick comp compromise with uh, unions over government plans to oversaw the overhaul the uh, pension system. Those are some of the stories making news. All right. Very good. Thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. That's all coming up on Mid. 
tonight. It's UNK women's and men's basketball as the Lopers host Missouri Southern, and we will bring you all of the action from KRBN Sports. Hi, this is Jason Jorgensen inviting you to join us from the Hilton Sports Center. Our coverage starts with a pregame show for the women's game at 520 with tip-off at 530. And at 730, the men try to knock off the 18th-ranked Lions. That's UNK basketball tonight on 93.1 The River and also on the River app. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. We've got Paul Perkins in studio with me here, and uh, looks like a relatively uh, normal week, I guess, maybe you'd say. Yeah, looking at some temperatures right now, seasonal over the next mm-hmm. several days. Tomorrow looks to be our warmest day, slightly above average, but some signs continue to point towards colder weather especially by the end of this week and definitely the middle part of next yeah. week it looks like uh, wednesday could tuesday wednesday area could get darn red cold exactly right now we do have uh, still that snow cover persistent over much of central nebraska especially right in uh, to the north of i-80 from about east of north platte on over to about grand Island and points to the north that snow cover fairly prevalent still. You can see that on a visible satellite photo, but the snow cover, of course, quickly disappearing with the sunshine and the dry conditions that we've been experiencing. Most of our temperatures right now in the mid to upper 30s and much of Nebraska. We are as warm as 40 at Aurora and 41 in the Hebron and Beatrice area. Some low 40s as you head into northern areas of Kansas. Still some areas of light snow in northeast Nebraska. Maybe not a whole lot of it making it to the ground from Norfolk up to about Yankton and maybe some light flurries towards Nebraska City and the Beatrice area with some clouds, but otherwise pretty quiet day across the area. Looking at some windy conditions starting to take hold as we move through the afternoon in western locations of Nebraska and Kansas and breezy conditions in the central. This will be behind the passage of a low-pressure trough. Then a strong high pressure quickly builds behind that trough some that big difference in air pressure will help to give us some northwesterly winds that will be on the strong side. We do have a high wind warning in effect for the very southwest corner of Nebraska in Dundee County for winds gusting up to about 65. And then over northwest Kansas and portions of northeast Colorado also expecting winds gusting up to about 55 to 60 miles per hour. Now those winds will diminish and turn more to the west by this evening. Temperatures today seasonal to slightly above normal. Tomorrow likely to be our warmest day of the next seven with the slight ridge of high pressure moving overhead. Temperatures on Wednesday and Thursday a little more seasonal when a weak backdoor cold front drops in from the northeast. This week will be mainly dry until we see a slight chance of some snow for Friday and Friday night with a weak disturbance. Our temperatures by the end of the week, Friday and Saturday, about 10 degrees colder than normal when we get a reinforcing shot of cold air from high pressure building to the south. Temperatures will rebound slightly on Sunday when winds turn back to the south. And something to watch as we head towards the middle part of next week. There is growing confidence that Tuesday and Wednesday of next week could feature our first true round of bitterly cold Arctic air. That would mean highs potentially only in the single digits to teens and lows perhaps near to below zero. So watch out as we head towards Tuesday and Wednesday. Our long-term forecast is definitely indicating some colder temperatures on the way. Nebraska and Kansas temperatures, along with temperatures in the north-central and western U.S., likely to be colder than normal this weekend through January 19th. Slightly above normal precipitation is likely this weekend through the 19th for Nebraska and Kansas. 
Key weather factors impacting the markets include mainly favorable conditions for South America and moderate to heavy rain this week in southeast areas of the Midwest. During the mid to late week, precipitation will develop across many areas east of the Rockies. Heavy rain could result in flooding from the Mid-South into the lower Midwest, while snow could blanket portions of the Midwest and Northeast. On the good side, adequate to surplus soil moisture will be maintained in the soft red winter wheat belt. For wheat areas of the Southern Plains, precipitation chances are limited in the eastern areas over the next 10 days. Right now, topsoil moisture is rated 42% very short to short in Colorado and 40% very short to short in Kansas. In Kansas and Colorado, roughly a fifth of the winter wheat rated very poor to poor. In Brazil, crop weather will be more favorable from Piranha northward. Rio Grande Sul of southern Brazil continues to struggle to get any significant rainfall. Until that occurs, temperatures are likely to be somewhat higher than normal. The next best chance for scattered thunderstorms in Rio Grande Sul is coming up on Thursday, but may not be more than just light to moderate rain. Argentina's key growing areas of Buenos Aires and southern Cordoba likely will benefit from significant rains that occurred this past weekend. La Pampa receives somewhat less rain, but is not totally dry. All right, so uh, hold on to your hat and uh, go find that uh, little bit warmer winter coat. Exactly, yeah. Next week, uh, that turn towards January weather looks to be on the way. And, yeah, once again this afternoon, we do have that tri-state area, extreme southwest Nebraska, northwest Kansas, and northeast Colorado. High wind warning for winds gusting up to 55 to 60 miles an hour. And that should last until about 5 o'clock their time. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Appreciate it, Paul. And uh, where do you go to check in on your weather, sir? Weather tab at krvn.com. Get ready, Nebraska. Co-Wetzel is coming to Red Dirt on the River. Saturday, February 15th at Viero Center Carney. Co-Wetzel, along with Cody Canada and The Departed. It ain't never gonna change now. And Cody West. Tickets are on sale now at CarneyEvents.net and the box office. Viero Center Carney and 93.1 The River present Co-Wetzel at Red Dirt on the River. Learning more about custom harvesters serving the needs of the American farmer. Good afternoon to you on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Bryce Duskip reporting. The U.S. Custom Harvesters Organization was first established and chartered in 1983 in the state of Texas. The group serves as a link between the harvesters and the many groups of people they work with, such as farmers, businesses, and state and federal governments. Raina Zeller serves as one of the board members. The U.S. Custom Harvesters is a member-based organization. We have several different type of members now. We have grain, uh, grain and then we also have silage choppers as well as we are opening up to some cotton guys and uh, hay and forage. Tell me a little about your background as well. I am actually from Ohio. Um, I grew up on a rural smaller farm and then I met my husband who is, his family's been doing this since the late 80s. His grandpa started it um, and then my husband's dad, he was a logger and he came out and started it and then my husband, he was about in sixth grade when they went on the road and so he's a third generation custom harvester. Um, it didn't wreck his life at all, but it kind of wrecked mine. Not really. It's a great. It's a great thing, but it's just. It's a different lifestyle. That's for sure. Tell me a little about what that looks like throughout the year for you guys. Um, typically, they're on the road. We're on the road about six to nine uh, months out of the year. You get used to living in closed spaces in a camper, um, and and you you have to learn to find new people and and get to know people, and that's a really fun thing to do. So. 
What are some of the challenges your family and as an association has faced over the last uh, few years? I think um, that there's a desire to grow. There's a desire for ag to, to be a great or a, a just great across the board. Um, and with that comes pricing. Obviously, the cost of machinery is crazy, necessary probably in a lot of ways, um, but it's very expensive. So if you're going to grow, you have to have that machinery available. So making that decision on whether I should bring on another um, another combine or another forage harvester um, is, is an expensive decision to make. Um, the work is out there in most cases. The, the biggest thing is probably the ag labor um, and and like we have an extra a forage chopper sitting but we don't have somebody to put in it so that's and then you know thinking ahead as far as if you're bringing in foreign labor you got to think six months ahead of that are we going to have the work for it so it's just balancing it's a balancing act really tell me more about that foreign labor challenge and how reliant are custom harvesters on foreign labor uh, very reliant I think especially all of the larger um, operations they most all of them either are doing um, J1s or H2A. Um, the H2A I think is a great program as far as what it would offer custom harvesters, uh, but the legalities have changed and, and it's very difficult. A lot of our custom harvesters have been audited. Um, they get huge fines on things that, that weren't made clear or that that could be seen in different ways. Um, so that's huge. Right now there is a bill um, on the House floor. Um, it's not perfect. Um, but I, they are trying to cover some of the things that we do have issues with, right? Um, there is kind of something right now that we're a little worried about is they're trying to limit the ag labor um, to not be able to drive on the road as far as they're trying to make it to where as long as they're, fo they're harvesting the crop, then they can be driving or taking it to that farmer's location. But to get on the road and drive to a different location, that's a possible concern. It's, it's just not clear on what the intent is there. Rena adds that they are a membership organization, and if you'd like to become a member, you can uh, Google search them. Just search U.S. Custom Harvesters, Inc. I'm Bryce Duskett reporting on the Rural Radio Network. Covering agriculture is a big commitment. When KRVN takes you on the road for agriculture, you might hear us reporting across town, across the country, or across the ocean. We thank our equally committed on-the-road sponsors. The Nebraska Corn Board. Nebraska Land National Bank. And the Nebraska Soybean Board. Powering our Ag News travel aboard the KRVN Soy Biodiesel Pickup. On the road for agriculture. Because it's a big story. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason in here and off in the uh, studio with us. Thank you so much for coming in, Jason. I know there's a lot of things going on this time of year even if you're not playing games there's still stuff going on and we see that with uh, one of the better stories from nebraska this year the injury to or the cancer illness of of javon dewitt and he's going to be moving on yeah he is uh, of course he'd been sick he had coached nebraska's outside linebackers and special teams the last couple of years but he's taken a similar role on mac brown's staff at north carolina there's been some speculation that dewitt might be leaving mm -hmm. uh, his health is fine but uh He's looking for greener pastures with Mac Brown. Now, DeWitt had worked on Frost staff since they paired up together at Central Florida. 
starting back in 2016. On the subject of coaching news, it took the Cowboys forever to fire a coach. It took them no time to hire one. According to numerous media outlets, the Cowboys have agreed to terms with former Packers boss Mike McCarthy to be their next head coach. That news comes less than 12 hours after they announced they finally had parted ways with former coach Jason Garrett. Now, McCarthy was 125-77-2 in 13 years with the Packers, and he also won a uh, Super Bowl. He had also interviewed with the Panthers, Browns, and Giants. Uh, that's an easy decision there. <laughs> Good move. Good I mean, move, Coach. Although, as we talked before, you have to deal with Jerry Jones, but yeah, you get a chance to coach the Dallas Cowboys. Why not? Absolutely. Things went well for the Husker women's basketball team on Saturdays. They jumped up and upset 24th-ranked Minnesota, 72-58. Head coach Amy Williams says that was a big win. We talked a little bit over the last couple days that um, kind of early in the Big Ten season, we were going to have an opportunity to really test the character of our team to see how we would bounce back after a very disappointing um, road loss in overtime at Michigan State. And I thought our kids really responded well. And, um, you know, Minnesota's a incredibly good team. It was criminal, the call that went against them in that Michigan State game that they lost in overtime. Yeah. So uh, good yeah. job by the Huskers of bouncing back. 2-1 and one in Big Ten action. 12-2 and two overall. The UNK women's and men's basketball teams. Rare Monday night games in conference action tonight against Missouri Southern. Women's game at 5.30. Men have a lot to handle tonight. Missouri Southern, very talented team. They are ranked 18th in the country. They made the Sweet 16 a year ago. Catch both games on 93.1 The River. And the Hastings College women, they won again over the weekend up in North Dakota. They're 17-0 and on the year. That's uh, That's good. Yeah. That's really good. In, in any league, that's an impressive <laughs> start. That's as good of a start as they've ever had. That is a check of sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. All right. Thank you, Jason. I'm Clay Patton inviting you to take a productive visit to KRVN Cattlemen. 100% beef oriented, KRVN Cattlemen brings you expertise from across the plains in audio and video spotlights featuring industry innovators. Handy Nebraska, Kansas, and cattle resources including the inventory, cattle on feed, and slaughter numbers you need. Plus hay reports for five states. You'll find a complete directory of upcoming auctions and private treaty sales. Click on the link for KRVN Cattlemen on the right front column of the homepage at krvn.com. Governor Pete Ricketts wants Nebraskans to be alert for human trafficking. He says human trafficking is taking place in the state. He says a multitude of state agencies are involved in trying to help people who are prisoners of this type of slavery. Uh, our Department of Transportation is an example of how we work together. It is working with the Attorney General to put up posters with the, the National Human Trafficking Hotline in all of our rest areas across the state. So if you see something along those lines, you can call in. That number is 888-733-7888. Rick, it's highlighted a couple of ongoing efforts to spot human trafficking. We have events like the College World Series looking for the same sort of indications where people who don't control their IDs, their cell phones, are, are acting awkwardly in social situations. Uh, in Grand Island, the police force is working with the hotels to be able to spot similar instances there. So there's a number of things that we're working on with regard to the community to be able to raise that awareness. As part of an awareness campaign for the issue, Governor Ricketts signed a proclamation declaring January as Human Trafficking Awareness Month in Nebraska. Two men have been accused of plotting to kill the estranged wife of one of them in Grand Island. 
A 30-year-old man was arrested Sunday in Grand Island on suspicion of conspiracy to commit first-degree murder, terroristic threats, stalking, and other crimes. A 26-year-old man also is charged with conspiracy to commit first-degree murder and with aiding and abetting stalking. Both men live in St. Paul. The younger man is accused of helping the older man in a plot to kill the older man's estranged wife. A federal judge will hear arguments today on whether to toss out the indictment against a researcher in Kansas accused of secretly working for a Chinese university. Attorneys for Fang Franklin Tao have accused a visiting scholar of fabricating the allegations after unsuccessfully trying to extort him. Tao wants the court to dismiss the indictment charging him with one count of wire fraud and three counts of program fraud. The government alleges the Lawrence, Kansas man failed to report that he was working for Fuzhou University in China while doing research in Kansas on projects funded by the U.S. government. And a Kansas man died after falling through ice while fishing. The Russell County Sheriff's Department says 72-year-old James Schoenberger of Russell died Saturday afternoon after he was pulled from the river and taken to Russell Regional Hospital. The Sheriff's Office says Schoenberger was fishing in an area just south of Russell, Kansas when he fell through the ice. The Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks conducted a boat accident investigation into the death. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Dave Schroeder. Learning more about the U.S. Grains Council's role into 2020. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Ryan Legrand is president and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council. He and I sat down in November to talk about his new role as president and CEO and some of the things that they're working towards, including the discussion we're going to see as early as tomorrow on the Senate side of USMCA. Now, for those that don't know, Ryan used to run the Mexico office for the U.S. Grains Council and now heads up the entire organization. It's been a whirlwind, but it's been so much fun. Just really enjoying it. Going from a singular focus in Mexico to seeing what we're doing around the world, it's really amazing. The, you know, the staff we have operating in 10 offices around the world, running programs in 50 different countries. It's just so impressive to see. Uh, and I'm very privileged to be working with these fine folks. Really, literally, you guys have the whole world right there in front of you to bring great American products across the globe to feed the world. We certainly do, and we're working in so many areas, and, and it's exciting to see what we're doing in South and Central America, in Mexico, in Asia, uh, not not only your, your traditional countries like Japan and Korea, where we have a very strong foothold, but in Southeast Asia, where things are really starting to take off. You have a few countries there, Indonesia, Thailand, uh, Vietnam, that are huge DDG importers today, and they weren't uh, just a few years back. In Africa, we're getting started with some of the work that we did early on in the count in the council ex animal extension work teaching them how to be more efficient producers of, of, of birds in this case in in Tanzania in Tanzania so it's just very exciting work you know and, and we constantly when we talk when people hear trade they immediately go to China or USMCA but there's so many more avenues that are out there and I want to focus a little bit on Vietnam first because that's just a breadbasket of excitement for grains it certainly is uh, Vietnam is I, I believe it's the fastest growing economy in that region and they they went from you know taking very small amounts to uh, of DDG just a few years ago and now they take a million tons of distillers grains US distillers grains 
we're working on getting ethanol into that market. They have a they have a prohibitive tariff in place right now. We'd like to see that removed, and we could maybe see a couple hundred million gallons of ethanol go into Vietnam. Corn is another one. We're we're at a bit of an unfair uh, uh, disadvantage there with a tariff on our corn going in there. If that were to be removed, we could see large amounts of corn. So there's a lot of potential. What about Africa? That's kind of been a kind of quiet area. Yeah, you know that's that's more of a kind of a longer term work that we do. We have we 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 put our work in three different buckets: short term, medium term, long term. And that's one really out on the horizon that, that, that we're looking, in, in terms of grains anyway. Ethanol is a little bit different story, and we can talk about that as well. But on, on the grains, you know, we need to teach these folks how to more efficiently produce protein to be, so their population can, more larger swaths of their population can afford protein and then in turn consume more grains. So very exciting work there on the grain front. What are some of your bigger, longer-term projects that you'll be working on? Longer-term, we're, we're working, I just mentioned the, the, the poultry in Tanzania, but in southeast Mexico, we're working with cattle feeders down there that are typically uh, grass-fed only, and we're introducing DDG to them to uh, help them turn over those cattle uh, um, you know, more quickly and uh, help their bottom line just by the simple addition of a small amount of DDG. And there's a lot of untapped demand. You know, so you see Mexico at 2 million tons of, of DDG imports today. If that southeast region of Mexico really adopts it, you could easily see another half million tons or more of DDG going into Mexico. So that's a long-term uh, plan that we're working there, but we believe it'll pay dividends in the long run. You know, when I had the opportunity to go with U.S. Grains Council on that USMCA fact-finding trip, Mm -hmm. it really opened my eyes to the importance. Those personal relationships are so important to us. And, you know, Mexico has a special place in my heart. I lived there for 10 years. I've worked there for 20 years. So I've been fortunate enough to develop a lot of those uh, personal relationships myself. And when you put the human element into it, it just makes it just that much more important. And, uh, you know, that much more of a priority for us to maintain this market over the long run. I think we're going to get USMCA passed. You know, Canada and Mexico are our top two trading partners, ag trading partners. We've got to get it passed. We need long-term certainty in this, and I think we will. I think it'll get done. Anything else you want to add? You know, we really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you, Susan. The only thing I would add is that I think we need more ambassadors for trade out there. Uh, as, as our farmers, uh, great American farmers that we're working for, as you guys are talking in, in your coffee shops, talk about why is it important that Mexico buys 16 million tons of corn? Why is it important that Brazil buys three to 400 million tons of our, eth- three to 400 million gallons of our ethanol? It's extremely important. If those tons, those gallons were back in our market, think of what that would do to the bottom line of, uh, for our farmers, for our ethanol plants. So the more you guys can accept trade, talk about it, talk about the benefits of it, the better uh, the better it is and helps us more. And they can get that background information they need just by going to your guys' website. That's right. That's grains.org.org, www.grains.org. And that's all of our resources and tools are there. All the information of what we're doing around the world is right there. That's my conversation with President and CEO of the U.S. Grains Council, Ryan LeGrand. I'm Susan Littlefield, the World Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our business report here on KRBN's Midday Program. The 
Ten-year yield is uh, up about uh, a quarter of a percentage point right now, but otherwise markets are not doing very well. Still a lot of concern about uh, hostilities in the Middle East between the United States and, well, everybody in the Middle East right now. So uh, the Japanese market's down over 443 points. The Hang Seng in Hong Kong down under down 223 London's FTSE was down 46. The German DAX index up was down 92. Now they've recovered a little bit in the United States and pretty much uh, even par. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is pretty much unchanged. The NASDAQ up 21. And the Standard & Poor is up 3 right now. And uh, Bob Brogan in here to uh, straighten it all out for us. Well, I don't know if I'll straighten it all out for you, but I'll uh, take a crack at it. Uh, stocks fell in trading this morning on Wall Street. And as Scott mentioned, investors very worried that tensions between the U.S. and Iran could escalate. Um, a U.S. airstrike killed a top Iranian general last week and prompted threats of retaliation from Iran. And that's been kind of the key thing that's rattled the markets. Uh, the global benchmark for crude oil is above $70 a barrel for the first time in over three months. The increase came amid jitters over the uh, tensions between Iran and and the U.S. The European Union says it regrets planned steps by Iran to roll back its nuclear commitments, but the bloc says it still aims to keep the deal alive. The EU says it will wait for the U.N. nuclear watchdog to rule on whether Tehran is complying with the pact. Iran's announcement has triggered a flurry of diplomacy in Brussels. The country's foreign minister has been invited for talks, and Germany is pushing for emergency talks to discuss developments in the wake of the U.S. killing of Iran's top general. Also, uh, other things going on. The Nebraska legislature is uh, waiting in the wings. Uh, Actually, not waiting in the wings. Some of the lawmakers are at the state capitol today, and uh, they're having some uh, kind of some high-level talks with the uh, State Revenue Committee, the Legislature's Revenue Committee, to try to uh, smooth out the rough edges of a package that uh, aims to uh, uh, achieve some tax reform in the state. So uh, they're going to try to uh, talk to Governor Ricketts and uh, others about how to go about doing that and try to kind of coax Governor Ricketts to come over to their side. So... uh, Kind of high-stakes negotiations going on there and um, also elsewhere with uh, world events. It is, uh, it's is—it's really a, an interesting time for sure. Rob, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. That's our business report on Midday. Timely, authoritative, and dependable. That's KRVN News. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Greater Nebraska's biggest newsroom brings you local and regional news on the half hour. I'm Dave Schroeder. Fox News at the top and breaking news on demand. From the Rural Radio Network, I'm Tyler Cavalli. Program 880 in every car, at work or at home, or listen all day online at krvn.com or by downloading our free KRVN app. 
America's oldest and largest dairy companies became the second major milk producer to file for bankruptcy in the last two months. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Borden Dairy Company said it cannot afford its debt load and its pension obligations. The company said it also has been hurt by a drop in overall U.S. milk consumption since 2015. I caught up with Chris Galen with the National Milk Producers Federation to find out what they know about this bankruptcy and how does it set the tone with the dairy industry. Uh, Borden's is privately held. It's smaller. Most of their processing capacity is in the southeast. Uh, almost all their plants, with the exception of a couple in Ohio, are in the southeastern states. So they have just less prominence. The name is more prominent, ironically, but their actual business operations in terms of milk processing is more more specific to the southeast. I thought it was interesting as I read the, the news release that, that came out and talked about their business. In part, they were blaming it on the drop that we've seen in milk consumption. And I kind of joked because I had a producer say, well, I blame part of the millennials on this. And so I thought that was kind of an interesting look at the drop in milk consumption we've seen. Well, what's happened over not just the last 10 or 20 years that the millennials have become more (laughs) prominent, but really 30 or 40, there's been a shift in how milk products are consumed and in what form. And this started actually back in the 70s. That's when fluid milk consumption, milk in bottle form, was was at the peak of its popularity. And since then, uh, people consume less of it. It's still a staple, and something like 94% of U.S. households have bottled milk in their refrigerators. But the amount of consumption uh, hasn't kept up with population growth. And instead, we're eating more things like cheese, which uh, that in the last 30 years has basically tripled in consumption. So if you look overall, um, the the amount of dairy products being consumed is increasing. It's just that we've seen a shift in the form in which those products are consumed. And an interesting way to look at that, because we know the changes that have happened within our consumption of dairy products. Yes, you, you do have fewer people eating breakfast, and that's one of the big factors as to why you talk about millennials, and I think it's people who are older as well, Gen X, and even some of the baby boomers uh, don't eat cereal for breakfast as much anymore. So guess what? If you're not eating cereal, chances are you're not eating the milk that would go on top of that. Uh, so that's a big factor. Uh, there's been a lot more competition in the overall beverage category in the last 20 years. Uh, people talk about the fake milks, and that's certainly a thorn in our side, but the bigger concern simply is that there are more choices in the form of bottled water and coffee drinks, which may have a little bit of milk in them, but all these other sports preparations, nutritional supplements, where it used to be just fluid milk was viewed as an important source of nutrition. It still is, but it's just got more competition out there now. Well, Chris, as you look at the at the nonsense, as we know, Dean Foods back in November, now Borden at now, how does this set the tone for the dairy industry as we move into 2020? Well, certainly it's not the type of thing you want to see, but if it, this allows Borden to undergo the bankruptcy proceedings and, and perhaps come out the other side uh, a stronger company, hopefully that's the best case scenario. From what I understand, based on what they report, They're going to continue processing milk. They're going to continue delivering it to their customers. So in other words, from that standpoint, it's business as usual while the bankruptcy process goes forward. So we certainly hope that will be the case. Uh, We likely have some member cooperatives providing milk to Borden for its processing plants in the U.S., and we will uh, work closely with those co-ops to provide whatever assistance we can to help throughout this process. And Chris Galen said, of course, this will have to play out through the courts. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network.
Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network as we're joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, looking here at our close across the grain, pretty solid for soybeans and Kansas City wheat. A little bit of spread action maybe against corn and Chicago wheat? Yeah, a little bit. I, I hard to think that there was a reason for corn to, to sell. I know some producers I've spoken with today have called and said they have to raise some cash here and, and ready to ready to sell some bushels, but I think we're going to see 390 again. I, I just think you can't get too myopic here. Uh, you know, start the week out with some negative news from a headline perspective. Obviously, the big rally we see in cattle, as you kind of point towards the spread markets, that maybe possibly funds moving back into livestock and away from grow crop grains, but there's very little data that kind of corroborate any reason why they would be doing that. So looking at foreign offers right now, we're right around 170 dollars $180 a metric ton, pretty much across the board overseas. So I don't think you're going to see the market dive too much here as you're going to find demand on that kind of move. So I think we're sideways here through the end of the week and the USDA you know, possibly gives us a bushel or two acreage cut in the next report. I think the real decider will be what the grain stocks number. So just to recap with everybody, this report on Friday is going to be a little bit different than the other 12 WASDs or the other 11 WASDs we get in that this is going to be the grain stocks number as well. So um, if you if you go back, we had a big shocker in the grain stocks number in the last two reports. The, the end of September report was where we saw kind of some disappearance in the corn market. And if you rec- can recall, I think the USDA blamed four 2018 yields on that. And then back in the June report, which is the one right before the 4th of July weekend, that's what kind of topped the market as we saw acreage jump and then the grain stocks uh, rise in that one. So I think if you're looking for a wild card, it's going to come from that grain stocks. And if it's bullish, I think we make a quick run up into the, you know, the $4 level. So March calls at $4 are less than $0.05. Cents. I think they're a, that's a really nice way to be long the you know, corn above four bucks. And then if you have corn, you can sell it into that rally. That would be a decent play in my opinion. Also taking a look, <clears throat> we've got the WASDI on Wednesday or on Friday. Then we've got Phase One trade deal on on the fifteenth. So anything to look there? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think really what we've been seeing the last two weeks is three weeks has been just a reshuffling of the deck. Everybody's kind of. I don't think of a poker game. We're just clearing the chips off, and everybody's kind of resetting and starting the game over. We've seen the shorts essentially cover out to a point where we're flat across a lot of the ag board. Uh, the only one that's really long right now would be Chicago Wheat, and they've obviously got the story. So we could get some data that would support higher prices. The funds are there to buy it. There's a lot of fuel that can get this market to move. We're just looking for the spark. And right now, um, you know, early in January, there just really isn't a whole lot here to push it. But that doesn't mean there won't be. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing. Learn more at DanielsAg.com. Again, trading risk of futures does involve risk of loss. May not be suitable for all investors. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts at krvn.com. Brought to you by Divinity Motors. Howdy folks, this is Rick from Divinity Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DiviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divinity deal.